I think you know that I teach fifth grade religion at St. James School. It's one of the joys of my life, especially because the students every week say something insightful and penetrating about theology. And this week was no exception. We were talking about all the faith traditions of the world and how some of them are 2,000 and 3,000 plus years old. And one of the students said, well, how can we know that the scripture from these traditions is accurate after all this time being passed down for so many years? And it's a great question and it's a great challenge. It's, and the student gave the example, he said, it's like a game of telephone. And it is a challenge and, and so many of the stories that we hear in scripture from all the traditions, including Christianity, began as, as oral traditions, and it was a long time before anybody wrote things down on papyrus, in the case of Christianity, in the language of the time, Koine Greek. And so there was even more room for error as each person wrote things down. The Greek, as they recorded it, ran all the words together with no spaces in between, between and with absolutely no punctuation. So we can't exactly know for sure when one idea stops and another begins. So scholars have just done their best to reconstruct the punctuation and the meaning as best they can. In other words, they play telephone. And why am I reminding us of this this morning? Because it very deeply affects our understanding this morning of the first few lines in the gospel passage. If we change the punctuation very slightly, add one period and switch another period to a comma, our gospel takes on a meaning that is the meaning that I believe Jesus would have originally intended, and it saves us from a very big misunderstanding of God's purposes. So humor me for just a moment and open your bulletin, if you will, and turn to the gospel passage that you just heard Father John read. First, I'm going to reread those opening lines as written, and then I'm gonna read it with a change, and I'll show you the huge difference that it makes. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Notice how it says, he was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. This would mean that God caused his suffering on purpose. And I do not believe that God ever causes our suffering or wants us to suffer. I believe our suffering, in fact, breaks God's heart, that God loves us so much that God grieves when we suffer. So feeling the way that I do, God loves us too much ever to zap people with suffering to make a point. That is not a God that I would want to follow. 
Jesus does say here, clear as a bell, we do not suffer because we sinned or because our parents sinned. We know that's true. That can't be true. Um, because all of us sin all the time. If God wanted to zap us for sinning, God would have a full-time job <laughs> just doing that. So if none of that is true, it's not true that God causes suffering for our sins. It's not true that God causes suffering to reveal something to the world. Then what does this passage mean? I think we need to know because we see so much suffering in the world and we want to understand why it's happen happening, why suffering that is so sometimes unbearably cruel and unfair happens. We need answers. We need to know why that blind man was suffering on the steps of the temple. We need to understand this multi-generational game of telephone. So back to punctuation. And I was an English teacher a long time ago. Remember, the original Greek didn't have any punctuation. So how do we know for sure where the periods and the commas go? We don't. So look at the sentence, he was born blind. And now stop and put a period there. He was born blind, a fact. Then the next sentence would begin with the word so, so that God's works might be revealed in him, change it to a comma, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. See the difference? The man blind from birth wasn't born blind for a reason. He wasn't born blind so that God could do anything. He was born blind. It grieves God that he grew up never being able to see the world, him, world around him, but God didn't cause his blindness with any ulterior motives in mind. However, if we look at the new sentence that follows, we find big meaning waiting there. So that, God, so that God's works might be revealed in him, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. We must work the works. To make something out of the suffering that this man experiences. Jesus came into the world as light. Before he came to shine that light, it was as if we were all born blind. We could not truly see. And by shining as he did, Jesus taught people to see the world around them in a new way. He says so later in today's reading. He says, I am into the world. I came into the world so that those who do not see may see. Jesus came into this world to shine light on how we can do God's work in the world, work the works of God. I love that expression, work the works. I wish we could all wear buttons that say, we work the works. <laughs> it's an incredible and perfect call to service. Suffering exists, we know it exists. Terrible things happen. A man is born blind, a woman is diagnosed with cancer, a child goes to sleep hungry, wakes up hungry, spends the day hungry, wondering when next she will eat. God does not cause that suffering. They did not do anything to deserve that suffering. But Jesus says, when we encounter suffering, and we will encounter suffering, move in, get to work, work the works of God. What are the works of God? Well, the works of God are the things that God would want us to do, the things God is all about, love, 
compassion, mercy. It means that the man born blind should not have had to have spent his life sitting on the steps of the temple begging for food. Working the works of God means that that man should have been embraced by community, loved, protected, cared for. This means overcoming our own spiritual blindness to see and respond to suffering everywhere around us. That means bringing food to people that we know are hungry. It means sending resources to people suffering far away, like our brothers and sisters in war zones and facing the aftermath of natural disasters. What all of this means is that if we want to see God in the world, if we want to see God take on suffering, then we need to see suffering and work the works of God in response. Respond. Take action. Jesus is so clear about this when, when he talks about light. He shines a light on what we need to do, who we need to be. It's almost as if he's shining a bright, blinding flashlight, kind of like these television lights that we have ever since the live streaming, in our eyes to wake us up and compel us to see. This world can be better. There can be an awful lot less suffering if we ourselves work the works of God, instead of saying in the face of suffering, where is God? <laughs> instead, we know that we are here. Our purpose is to be God's workers, to work God's works. We are here to respond to suffering. Christ shined a bright light to show us both the suffering and the way that we can serve. Amen.